0: You're listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast.
1: Brought to you in association with OvertimeIreland.com. Now, here's the OTI, guys. Hello there, welcome along to the OTI Podcast. My name's Colin Kelly, once again bringing you this show. We have just wrapped up the NFL divisional round of playoffs. We're heading here towards the conference finals and the uh, you know, often it is talked about that the divisional round is the best round of football or the best weekend of football of the entire year. And I don't think this last weekend disappointed. And on today's show, I'm going to be joined by a guest here to break all those games down, look ahead a little bit to the games this coming weekend. And of course, as well, as we kind of look towards 2018 and the 2018 season and how we think those players will do from fantasy football perspective. So looking forward to doing all that. And my guest today is going to be Connor Allen, a contributor to Rota World and as well, a contributor to Sharp Football Analysis. Dot com. connor how are you doing my man
0: i'm doing well colm uh, thanks for having me on man that was an exciting weekend of football
1: yeah it was uh, pretty pretty crazy and i uh, can't wait to, to break it down a little bit you know it's kind of I, I was watching uh, the vikings game which i'm sure we'll be talking about is probably the most exciting one as uh, you know it was kind of around 1 a.m here when that game was about to end and you know the saints took the lead i thought yeah uh, this is probably it, going to be wrapped up now and you know that's the conclusion of the game and I, just, I couldn't go to sleep after, and I, I'm a Packers fan. I don't, I don't have a written address, but it was just so exciting the end of that. So we'll be talking about it in a moment. As always, starting off the show, thanks to the listeners for coming and tuning in, listening each and every week. It is much appreciated. If you haven't already subscribed, please do subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher, wherever you listen to the show. You can also find all the different ways to listen to the show, or just search it on your favorite podcast app as well, and just search for Overtime Ireland or OTI. will pop up there. But you can find all the ways at OvertimeIreland.com forward slash podcast. So do check that out. Lots of different ways to listen to the show and uh, get you each and every week with a, a kind of a nice weekly dose of uh, NFL content. Looking at both fantasy football, looking at uh, real life football as well. So trying to blend the two together. So thank you again for tuning in. Of course. A couple of plugs to get out of the way as well as we start the show. Uh, you know, I mentioned the link up with DraftKings a couple of weeks ago. So obviously DFS is coming to a conclusion. A couple of weeks left here. If you want to get in in the action, uh, sign up to DraftKings. Use the code OTI while signing up. You will get a three dollar entry into a contest. After that, so uh, of course get a free entry. Get to try out the system. I know recently they launched in Ireland, so uh, you know new customers here. But also if you haven't tried it out in the US, that customer uh, not, or that OTI code is available to everyone worldwide. So do check that one out then. Uh, again uh, nflshopeurope.com you can find there all the great items they have up all the merchandise exact same as nflshop.com and save 10% off all orders just by going through the link up there on the OTI website or I tweet it out on a regular basis on the twitter at Overtime Ireland so check out all those i like to get them out of the way at the start of the show so then we can just run through and talk uh, purely football but uh, two great supporters here off the OTI podcast so support them they support us and uh, it's a nice way of uh, keeping the thing going here at OTI so Connor let's get into it uh, with um, we'll start off with a a little bit of a different question we'll be getting into the games then but the biggest lesson you learned from the the 2017 season in terms of fantasy football and uh, maybe then how are you planning on improving that as we move here into 2018 maybe it could be your 2018 fantasy uh, resolution
0: yeah so From 2017, I mean, it was a weird year, kind of as it always is. You know, it's a pretty common phrase I hear, actually, every year. And some people use it kind of almost to, like, deflect blame on their misses a little bit, it seems. But weird happens every year, in my opinion. And this year, the weird ended up being QBs getting injured, such as Rodgers and Luck, while rookie running backs like Alvin Kamara and Kareem Hunt were able to ascend to fantasy dominance through starters being traded or injured. But, you know, something that I personally uh, learned from the 2017 season was to trust my gut especially in bigger drafts and don't be afraid to reach on guys that I really like because you know I play in only a few bigger drafts mid-stakes drafts and I oftentimes don't have my guys enough so one of the biggest for me was I didn't have enough Cam Newton despite writing multiple articles on him and being very bullish and he ended up being the quarterback too so you know it, he just didn't fall to me in the draft and I should have taken more of an aggressive approach instead of uh, trying a value based draft, which I seems to be the smart approach over you know 50 to 60 drafts like a lot of people
1: do yeah I, I agree with that and um, you know you mentioned Cam Newton there I think a lot of people will still be surprised even people who play a lot of fantasy football The Cam finishes the second overall quarterback this year uh, you know he's not if you watch him play and sometimes he doesn't look the best in the field but those rushing yards those rushing touchdowns really add up and uh, you know if you look throughout his career out to the last season really he's pretty much been a, a top five quarterback all seasons in the NFL that he's been there so uh, another season where I think he'll still go under next year heading into those drafts and you mentioned you know if you write about guys it's like if I talk about guys on the podcast that was something I did a lot of this year was if I was talking about them I kind of wanted to put my money where my mouth was back it up and put them into my lineups the unfortunate part for me was that those players either didn't really start to perform into the second half of the season or else got injured so uh, <laughs> lots of Spencer were uh, still sitting there on the on the sidelines for me on, the, on IR but there's lots of different pieces uh, Marcus Mariota was another player I was big on so my season's were a mixed bag from that perspective. But I do agree with you, you know, if you're in those leagues where, you know, especially as well, it's a kind of DFS philosophy, I guess. If you listen to people who play in those high stakes leagues, I've listened to a lot of them, I've interviewed a lot of them. And when, what they talk about is if you like somebody, you think he's a first round talent. If ADP tells you that he's a, a third round talent, don't, don't worry about that. You need to get him in your lineup. If your process tells you that he is going to be a first round talent come the end of the year, that's what you have to do. I think that's kind of what you were hinting on there. If you if you think those guys should go earlier, don't be you know worried about where people value them. Take them at that spot. It's like if you think somebody's a 10th-round talent and somebody else thinks he's a 7th-round talent, well, you're obviously not taking them to the 10th round. So somebody has to make that adjustment at some point. Is that kind of what you're hinting at there? Yeah,
0: definitely. I mean, especially in the case I was talking about with Cam Newton, uh, his ADP was somewhere around like the 8th round, and I had him as a top-five quarterback and you know I was trying to wait till the eighth round to grab him or seventh round when I should have really just pulled the trigger earlier instead of uh you know waiting a little bit too long and that ended up uh biting
1: me yeah one area where I did probably get bit in the opposite way was that you know with Andrew Luck as the season got really close into my best ball leagues he was falling you know 10th 11th 12th right and I was thinking if Andrew Luck comes back and plays anywhere in what we think he can play that's gonna be a huge value but obviously he didn't come back he didn't play it ended up being a terrible terrible move so you know these things are easy in hindsight but we work through them but definitely uh, actionable news there to to use as we head into it i think the key is, if you like players, you know, you talk about a player even in the first round, oh, he's the, he can't go on the 11th pick, the 12th pick. But if you're picking at pick number two and you like that player, you have to go with him. And that's the advice I always give the listeners. If you if you want Gronk, you know, and you're picking fourth overall, you have to take him at, at four, even though it is extremely high. That's that's just the way you've got to look at it. He's not making it back to you at the back of that second round on most occasions. So we'll get into the games. We'll be talking some other, more kind of... Uh, long-term fantasy outlooks uh, in between the games as we go through them, but uh, for the listeners who are Minnesota Vikings fans, they are going to be very, very happy this week. I know Scott Fish living up in Minnesota, he's going to be very happy over the weekend. I've seen him tweeting out a lot of stuff about the game, but 29-24, to 24, one of the uh, one of the most exciting games, particularly the second half, uh, that that I've seen in quite some time. A quick question for you, is it an instant classic?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it is. I actually almost nearly went to the game, because I live <laughs> uh, pretty close to Minnesota, and at the last second I decided not to, and man, I am... Uh Pretty
1: upset about that. And uh, I guess uh, you mentioned Minnesota. I seen them outside the stadium. They were uh, had the snow plows out clearing the snow, and we've had a lot of snow here in Ireland over the last kind of twenty four hours. And I I sent you a message early in the day to say that you know my my journey home from work I should be on for the same time to record, but I might be a few minutes late. I was hitting a very good time and. There's quite a large hill on one of the back roads that I have to turn off and and head up to get home. And uh, I was going up the hill, and next thing uh, the wheels started to spin, I was halfway up the hill. And all I could think to myself is... I have to just like freewheel down this hill backways, and I am going to absolutely damage my car big, big style. Trying to stay uh, without oh having my to put a explicit tag on on this show, but uh, so I'm sitting there, put my foot on the brake. I, I think when I put my foot on the brake, it's going to keep sliding back. But thankfully, put my foot on the brake, car sits there. And what I have to do then is going to reverse uh, around a uh, hundred yards back down the hill, just uh, you know, basically with my foot on the brake, hoping the car doesn't slide uh, the whole way down off the main road again. So, thankfully. I got down to the bottom, turned the car. I've made it home, and then after this, I have to go and do another journey in the car. So you know, people think, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, uh, I'm my uh, my wife's parents' house is actually much closer to where I work and where she works. So we sometimes when the weather's really bad, we stay with her uh, parents. So that's what what I'm doing. Oh so gosh. I'm doing that journey back after. So. I, I think they think I'm crazy. I think my wife definitely thinks I'm crazy for all the podcasts I do. But, you know, we love talking to NFL, and uh, sometimes we just do crazy things. <laughs> <laughs> for the love of the game, right? Yeah. That's what it's all about. I think anyone that's, uh, like yourself, writing uh, for during the season, the NFL, or anyone doing podcasts during the season, or anyone even just looking up stuff for their fantasy teams, all their uh, partners, their spouses, their families, probably think at times, man, that guy is crazy. But, we all just uh, we all just do it, and uh, <laughs> we all just love it at the same uh, time. yeah, it's kind of an addiction in that way. But looking back at the game, the game kind of looked like a blowout. As I mentioned, the second half extremely exciting. The first half, uh, the Vikings led seventeen to zip at halftime. The Saints uh, had two three and outs uh, and two or a turnover in the first quarter, so it wasn't going their way. It looked like it was just going perfect for the Vikings, but the second half was. Pretty uh, different situation for uh, Drew Brees and company. Hit Michael Thomas late in the third quarter for the team's first score, and it was a touchdown. Michael Thomas, again, another big game here. Quickly turned in uh, to another touchdown with Case Keenum throwing an interception. Another touchdown to Thomas. That made it 17-14 early in the fourth quarter. And then the Saints uh, took the lead with a field goal, and then it looked like a situation where we were going to have... uh, you know, it uh, just be that that the Saints were going to win, the Vikings were going to have their hearts crushed. But just pretty much uh, a last throw of the dice with ten seconds left, and you know w- when that ball was caught by Diggs, I just thought, step out of bounds, take the field goal, but. Then when the defender misses the tackle and he's heading to the end zone, I don't think I've ever heard a crowd kind of erupt like it after a touchdown in any situation. And just the way everyone reacted from Case Keenum to the players on the sideline, the, even the Vikings fans, they just really couldn't, or the Vikings players rather, couldn't really contemplate what just happened. Absolutely insane finish to the game there.
0: Yeah, I was, my mouth was open for I think the next like five minutes <laughs> yeah, just afterwards. Insane. I couldn't. I couldn't believe it, man. I I don't know how that happened. And I just I thought it would be an easy tackle on the inside. I mean, Keenum had pretty much thrown a few ducks the last like three throws, and you know this was it. it was, there didn't seem to be much else, and he I didn't think he had it in him to be able to get that game winning drive or game winning touchdown. Yeah, and
1: it did look like what I mentioned. He threw that uh, interception in the the fourth quarter, led to that second touchdown. Wasn't a good decision to throw the ball there. Was under pressure, leaning back, threw it into double coverage, easily picked off. And uh, then I think after the game, that would have been the narrative that he kind of threw the game away when the Vikings had uh, such a command lead at half time. But, you know, it was a, a catch by Diggs. And I think even if you look at when Diggs catches it, he's waiting for the contact. Uh, Williams goes in. I don't know. There's talk after the game that he wanted to make sure that he didn't get a flag, you know, and so on. But uh, you know, you just have to make the play in that spot. It was a 61-yard touchdown. I know it made a huge difference to some people playing in DFS. People who had stacked Keenum and Diggs and just that really ramped up their score for that one. But the the Vikings have been super impressive this year. I think you know they deserve. Uh, you know, to be honest, I think this would have been a better NFC conference game than what we're going to get. I think we should see a situation here where the Vikings do take control of the Eagles this week and. Uh, but with the Vikings this season, and you know we mentioned their Case Keenum, just how impressed have you been with them? Uh, defensively, I don't even know if we need to touch on it. They're just that damn good. They're them, and uh, if you put them up there with the Jaguars, I think they're pretty much equal as who's the best defense in the NFL. But when you when you look at offensively, what they've been able to do with you know, Bradford one night at the start of the season, and then Keenum come in, Diggs and Thedon have been tremendous. We've seen uh, Rudolph have his huge games from time to time, and even the running backs have been able to get it done offensively I think they're they're more impressive than I think anyone thought they would be this season we expected them to be very strong defensively
0: yeah I mean I I actually coming into the season you know about like a month before I, I started doing a lot of research on the Vikings and kind of what was their downfall on offense and you saw that in 2016 they had one of the most injured offensive lines in the league one of the most injured offenses in the league so you had that they fixed up their old line they drafted Dalvin Cook you know they're they like things were shaping up for the right way. So I was really bullish on the Vikings. Actually, I put in a bet for them to win the, to make the playoffs. Unfortunately not to win anything big because you know, I, I couldn't see this quite big of a turnaround, but you know, I, I was pretty excited about them. And I mean, they obviously the Rogers injury helped them a little bit, but I mean, you know, I mean, I think they still would have uh, definitely come close or won the NFC North, even if he was healthy the whole year. So
1: I mean, I've just been so impressed with how they've turned their their offense around. Yeah, no, definitely there with you. Uh, when we look at the Saints, then obviously the season coming to an end, uh, you know Drew Brees to be uh, forty, I believe, this coming week. You know he's had a, a phenomenal uh, a- end to this season. I know people talk about that it's been the run game, but when Brees has been needed to throw the ball, he has done it very, very efficiently. There has been a little bit less on his deep ball this season, but I think you know we've seen in that their kind of second half display that. All the uh, abilities are still there. I think he doesn't get enough credit for what he does uh, You know, on a, on a yearly basis. Just absolutely phenomenal over the last kind of 10 years. Uh, Alvin Kamara, though, has been absolutely sensational this year. No doubt about it, the Offensive Rookie of the Year. 105 yards for him in this. A touchdown on a lovely catch. So just, the catch he made for that touchdown is something that a lot of wide receivers will struggle to make. I know we've seen Le'Veon Bell have a similar kind of catch uh, this week as well. Just what they can do is run them backside of the backfield. Absolutely uh, incredible there. And Mark Ingram managed just 25 yards and 10 carries in this. Michael Thomas. I've been touting Michael Thomas for the last kind of twelve weeks in this podcast as to how good he is, and people need to be watching him. Um, Eighty-five yards on seven catches for him, two touchdowns. I think he's a top-five receiver in the NFL heading into 2018. You know, I have him up there with Antonio Brown, OBJ, and uh, Julio. Do you think that's too strong of a take? Do you think it's reasonable? Where do you think uh, you know he ranks as the the wide receivers in the NFL at this time?
0: No, I think that's I think that's very reasonable. I mean, he's. He's an all-around great player, and he's proving this every year. I mean, even just from last year to this year, I think he's he's improved quite a bit as a player. And so, I mean, putting him in the top five isn't really crazy bold at all. I mean, there's definitely an argument to be made for other receivers, but I mean, I think he definitely belongs.
1: Yeah, I think I think so too. Then Kamara, I guess I'll get your thoughts on uh, him for for 2018. You know, obviously his production has been phenomenal. Phenomenal on. Not a huge amount of work. He's just been, you know, pair play, just insane uh, production this season. Obviously, there's probably going to be, not probably, there will be a regression there, but I think he'll get more work as it goes on, and then that work might balance it out. How do you see his uh, progression next year going? What's your kind of views on him heading into 2018?
0: Yeah, so his ADP is going to be something that's really, really interesting for me, because I I mean, I, I think that he'll still put up good numbers, but I mean, there's something to consider here. So um, Anthony Staggs, uh, Pyro Stag on Twitter, tweeted out um, some s- facts about uh, Kamara and players who average over six yards per carry with over 100 carries and then their following season. So in the following season, every player in NFL history that's averaged over six yards per carry has not been able to to get even above five yards per carry in the following season. So, I mean, betting on Alvin Kamara in 2018 to keep this kind of efficiency is, like, really betting against history. And it's also betting on Drew Brees remaining efficient and that he doesn't hit the age cliff. So, I mean, there's a lot of external factors you're betting on. You also have to bet on Kamara, Kamara's work ethic in the offseason, you know, how he maintains himself. It's just really a lot to, uh, you know, project for a player. So, for me, I, and I think you're right, the workload is going to probably be there next year because, you know, he wasn't much of a factor in the first few games with Peterson and whatnot. But, you know, he's still going to not be a workhorse with with Ingram if he's in the picture, and he likely will be. And, but, you know, just for as a top five pick, I can't really pick him there. And I've seen people pick him as high as 1.01 in uh, early best ball drafts on the draft app. So I mean, it's it's going to be really interesting. I think I'm I'm taking him near the end of the first, early second to pair him with someone a little bit more reliable because you know the upside's still there. And if if I mean if an injury happens to Ingram, you know he's a league winner for sure. So
1: yeah, and uh, I had Adam Rank on the podcast. I think it was uh, two weeks back. Um and uh, his thoughts were that he thinks that Kamara could be his 101 pick next year in redraft, so obviously if with him on the NFL network and if he's making comments like that, that's going to push them all up uh, the ADP overall, when you have a mainstream media personality talking about players like that, it obviously is going to bump them up then, especially when you get those uh, more casual players coming into play so I think he's going to be really, really high up there I would be very similar to you uh, I think he's going to end up probably being around the 7th or 8th pick next year, I think we'll see a lot of running backs in that first round, we'll be talking in a moment a little bit more about how he might rank some of those players in the first round of next year's draft, but what he's done has been uh, tremendous. And I mentioned as well if, if he does a drop in production, you know, even if he goes under those five yards, say so he's finishing at uh, four and a half yards per play, but he gets more work, we could see him have the same end result over the season, just not as explosive as he was this year. I think it's you know we don't really even need to look at previous stats to to realize that it's going to be pretty much impossible to to continue to do what he does but uh he's just uh, been so much fun to watch this season. Stefan Diggs caught 6 passes for 137 yards including That last uh, touchdown, Adam Thielen had six catches for 74 yards. Both of them have been very, very good this season. Thielen has been more consistent throughout the year. Diggs come on very strong down the stretch there for the last kind of five games of the regular season. Uh, Who, for you, is the best fantasy asset out of those, uh, if you're looking at it for dynasty purposes?
0: Yeah, I mean, for me, it's a little bit contrarian, I think, but I really like Thielen. So, I mean, with the Vikings, the way they use him right now, they move him in the slot sometimes and they move him outside. Uh, pretty often. So, you know, he is just a really wide skill set. You know, he can be a big bodied wide receiver like he did on that you know that incredible catch that he had late in the game against the Saints. And he can also be in the slot and, you know, just get open with good route running. I mean, Diggs is a great player, don't get me wrong, but he's at his injury history and it seems like the Vikings don't really make as much of an effort to get him the ball as Thielen has been.
1: Yeah, I think if I'm looking at if they were both lined up out wide all the time, I would be taking Diggs. But I think, as you mentioned there, the versatility for Thielen playing in the slot a lot. So even if he is playing against a number one cornerback, you can get that matchup where they move him into the slot and then obviously that opens things up for him. So the versatility there I think is good. If you're playing a PPR leagues, I think he gets more receptions. I think then when you're looking at who has probably the higher upside, I think I have to go then with Diggs. So there is that balance of upside versus weekly productivity that you're kind of guaranteed with Thielen. But Thielen coming in as a you know as a rookie Uh, as an undrafted free agent and what he's become now the same with Diggs. you know both of them have just developed so much uh, over their first couple of years in the league an exciting young wide receiver core we'll see long term what happens whether you know bridgewater comes back obviously we have to see what happens with his contract situation case keenum's going to be out of contract we'll see what happens there and then with sam bradford so there's a huge uh, amount of questions at the quarterback position there in minnesota but uh, extremely uh, talented wide receiver core there for them heading forward here Uh, we'll move on then to a game that I thought was probably the least exciting of the week and that was the Philadelphia Eagles playing against the Atlanta Falcons. It was 15-10 to to Philadelphia. I said last week on the show that if there was a way that Philadelphia were going to win this, they were going to have to have a heavy dose of the running game. And that's kind of what it turned out to be. JJ fumbled very, very early in the game, but then he bounced back to have quite a strong game. Nick Foles true for 246 scoreless yards, uh, but he did spread the ball around quite well. Six different players recorded at least three receptions. And in the second half, I thought he was impressive at times and although they had to settle for field goals, he, he did a, a nice job. So uh, the big talking point coming out of this one's obviously the, the Falcons and what they did when they had a chance to win it at the end. They did target Julio Jones, as you would expect, but you know, if you look at the play they ran, they, they could have just, in that last kind of minute or so, they could have had so many different ways to go about it. I thought Play call and was poor again by Sarkeesian in this kind of the spot. What was your takeaway at the end of the game uh, with how they kind of they drew it up to try and win on fourth down with the, the pass to Julio? Yeah,
0: I thought I thought that last pass was or that last play call was pretty pathetic in my opinion. I mean, I think they had a fullback lined out to the left actually, and they rolled out to the right, so they literally cut off half of the field already on this last play. So I mean, you only have half the field, and it was just like a, I mean a big cluster of people just all around there. It was really tough for Ryan to pick someone out, and he ended up just lobbing one up. And I think Julio even could have could have caught that, to be yeah, honest. I think it was kind of poor poor execution. So
1: I think, uh, with if you look back, the, probably the problem was with Julio is when he goes, he slips or, originally on the right, and he gets up. So maybe he just didn't have his uh, whereabouts all with him at that stage. But I thought it was a poor play call. You mentioned as well they had not Tevin Coleman, but uh, Derek Coleman, the fallback, was out on the left-hand side of the formation. So obviously that cut it out, and... There's just so many different ways. You look last year, uh, you know what how the Patriots came back against the Falcons. They had those two point plays. We see it a lot that you know even in and around the goal line, the Patriots have so many different plays inside the five and ten yard line. It seems this season, what the Falcons like, it's very limited as to what they were going to do. There were so many ways to go around it. It was it was a fourth down play, but they had opportunities before that to try and get in. So uh, the, I thought they could have done much much better with it. The Falcons' offense was pretty much Julio Jones. He caught nine passes, 101 yards. Uh, the last one, obviously that he didn't catch, was the one everyone was talking about, Matt Ryan. And 210 passing yards and a touchdown uh, a very nice play by him kind of improvised passing it to uh, Devontae Freeman who did struggle in the run game 7 yards on 10 carries Tevin Coleman had a nice game in this one 93 yards for him but uh, Coleman after the game said he had MCL and PCL sprains throughout the season obviously he didn't look as explosive as he has I do like Kevin Coleman a lot, but I think he's more of a home run hitter. You know, as a as a straight up running back on a three down basis, I don't know if he gives you that consistency running the ball. There's a lot of plays that he has that he you know loses two yards rather than just gets that two or three yards that you need on first and second down. For 2018, obviously we have uh, the situation where Freeman has a long term contract now that he signed last year. But what's your view on the the Falcons running backs? There, you still think Devontae Freeman's definitely the guy doing there?
0: Yeah, I mean, so this, for me, this is really another tough timeshare that limits both of their upsides unless an injury occurs. So it's like one of the most mind-boggling things about fantasy for me. So, I mean, if one of them gets injured, the other one is a league winner, but they're both probably going to be overdrafted a little bit at their ADP. I love Tevin Coleman. I love Devonta Freeman, but with both of them there and both of them receiving just like a, a decent workload, you know, none of them really has huge upside unless the other gets injured so i mean the floor for freeman is good the upside for coleman is good as you said he's a home run hitter you know he's always a threat to take one to the house but it's just one of those things in fantasy where you're missing out on a league winner if one of them gets injured by not drafting them but by drafting them you're potentially sacrificing an early-ish pick uh to pick a player without much upside
1: yeah i agree there let's look at a game that was Pretty much a blowout. It started off like it looked like it was going to be competitive. Tony Romo uh, did want to tell us it was going to be a competitive game (laughs) throughout that first quarter. That was his main objective uh, on the broadcast. Uh, Tony is, uh, I have to say... Throughout the season, my favorite uh, kind of uh, person doing color commentary to listen to. I thought he'd done a phenomenal job in his first year. Looking forward to seeing what he does the rest of the way. But the Patriots uh, blowing out uh, the Titans, uh, thirty-five to fourteen, started off. Corey Davis with a nice touchdown catch, one-arm grab to get a 7-0 lead. But then the Patriots went on, scored thirty-five unanswered points after that. And uh, of course, then Davis did get a second touchdown then uh, as the game. Kind of to wrap up, so they really blew it out in a big way. They advanced to their seventh straight AFC title game, which is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, Tom Brady had three hundred and thirty-seven yards, three touchdowns. Uh, Rex Borkhead was out for this game, so good news for uh, anyone that wants to bet against the Patriots this week. They get their running back back next week with Deion Lewis, and uh, he totaled a hundred. Deion Lewis rather totaled hundred and forty-one yards in this one. Danny Amendola was kind of the surprise in this. He took the lead in receiving, catching eleven passes for 112 yards Robin Kowski six for 81 the touchdown Chris Hogan did make his uh, return after missing most of the second half of the season he caught a touchdown but was used sparingly so another plus for the Patriots getting these guys back as the season gets to its biggest stage Uh, what was your biggest takeaway here uh, from the game I guess it has to be New England related
0: Yeah, I mean, it's that the Patriots will relentlessly attack an opponent's weakness. I mean, coming into this game, I fully expected the pass to spread the ball out and for Brady to throw as much as possible because the Titans' weakness is at defending the pass and the strength was defending the run. So, I mean, Brady ended up with 53 attempts, and those were two of the things I came in with as, you know, like – I went really hard on prop bets this weekend of just taking Deion Lewis receiving yards and Tom Brady completions. Even like I didn't even really touch the game itself. I was just went really hard on the props because it was, you know, Bill Belichick is almost predictable in the sense that he's just going to relentlessly attack your weakness. I mean, there was the last or some of the last AFC Championship games. They ran it, you know, thirty plus times, forty plus times with running backs and just beat the crap out of them because that was their weakness. But this time, it's their pass defense. So
1: he threw it fifty-three times. Let's uh, let's talk about Bill Belichick. Obviously, he's going. He's re- relentlessly, as you mentioned, attacking the weakness of the other team. Let's look at the Titans and their uh, game plan. in here, obviously, Mike Malarkey will touch on him in a moment. But they dressed four defensive linemen so the Patriots and see this here. They go and they start to go hurry up so those four defensive linemen pretty much by the time the second half came around are gassed uh, you know they're struggling so then the secondary is in trouble and the defensive line can't get a pass rush so just all around you look at the the game plan and overall it looked like the Titans just went into New England and thought that they were going to have some master class of offensive passing that was going to be able to trouble the Patriots and pretty much uh, from that moment that uh, the Patriots took the lead there was no way back for the Titans in this one Derek Henry struggled uh, a week after carrying the team to a win over Kansas City uh, there wasn't many lanes obviously there was a couple of injuries to the offensive line he rushed 12 times for 28 yards uh, you know he's going to probably i think be the lead back he should be the lead back heading into next season uh, with demarco murray possibly being moved on from the team what's your thoughts on this backfield? do you think murray is uh released from his contract do you think then as well uh derrick henry can be uh, a top running back in 2018
0: yeah i mean he should be released um i mean i i can't speak for what's going to actually happen but my guess is that he's released and and if that happens i mean derrick henry's a first round lock for me uh, especially with new coaching come in, coming in. If you look at the talent that they have on this roster, man, they've got a great offensive line. They've got a great quarterback in Mariota, who I think is really underrated. You know, even though he had a down year this year, I think it's gonna. There's gonna be a bounce back coming next season. And then you have Derrick Henry, who is an absolute bully running the ball. He he's shown more versatility in the passing game as he's gone on in his career a little bit here. And you know, they could really just be one of those teams that has a Rams like jump and you know, comes close to leading the league in points scored if they get the right coaching and the right offensive coordinator and all that. So, you know, I'm really bullish on on uh, Henry. And I think as he's shown this uh, in the past few weeks, that as the game goes on, he actually becomes better. You know, his yards per carry gets better. He wears the defense down. And you saw that at Alabama, too. So, you know, I, I'm really excited about Henry and, you know, if Murray moves on, I'm not afraid to spend, you know, an end of the first round pick on Henry and even more potentially.
1: Yeah, and he definitely does, as you mentioned, wear teams down as the game goes along. This game script obviously didn't uh, kind of lead for that to happen. Uh, I thought overall uh, this season he's done well. You mentioned as well that he should be a first round lock if, uh, if uh, Demarco Murray moves on, but I think uh, that's definitely the situation. When you look at what he did last year, and uh, his ADP he was up to fifth round, and that was with uh, Murray being there, so I think no doubt that he's going to get pushed up higher. Uh, there was bad news obviously for the Titans, and that was that Jono Smith, who pretty much looks like he's going to be Delaney Walker's eventual replacement, has looked quite good in his rookie season at times. Uh, tore AC or MCL rather, he is expected. To be ready for uh, OTAs. The news wasn't as good for right tackle Jack Conklin, who I mentioned uh, with one of the injuries on the offensive line this week. He tore his ACL and is now likely to begin the 2018 season on the PUP list, and that would obviously cost him six games if that was to happen. I think that had a, a huge part to do with the effectiveness of the running game, but obviously that had a, a huge part to do as well with the play call. And when i sent you over the show notes for this here, I had said that the Titans had offered uh, Mike Malarkey a contract extension. Obviously, that hasn't worked out for them, and Mike Malarkey will not be returning to the Titans. I think there's no doubt about it. That is definitely... What this team needs, they need a different, uh, more creative play caller to be able to help Marcus Mariota do what he does best. This season, we've seen him try and uh, play just nothing like he did at college. He needs some of those quick, uh, you know, reads. He needs to be able to get the ball out of his hands quickly. The ability then to have the, you know, the play action that he can keep the ball. There's just so many things that he can do that he wasn't being asked to do this season, and I think that was a lot of it down to Mike Mularkey. We've seen them continuously take out uh, Demarco Murray when he was injured and play him week in, week out over Derek Henry so there's a lot of things here that can happen this season I think you mentioned a, a very interesting point that this team could be like uh, the LA Rams this year where they just you know re- rejuvenate overnight have you anyone that you uh, would like to see uh, filling in You know, as the head coach here and of course uh, do you think it was the right decision you can probably tell by the way I was talking I think it was a great decision I was resigned to the fact that Mularkey would be back but I think for Mariota who I mentioned at the top of the show I'm a big fan of I think uh, this, this news is good for, for the team as, a, as an offence anyway
0: Yeah, I mean no one in particular. The Titans are a little bit late, I guess, to the game, and you know there's that uh, ongoing talk right now about um, the Patriots' offensive coordinator, you know, Josh McDaniels. But it seems like he, right at the moment, is he's going to be with the Colts, which is pretty disappointing because you know I really think the Titans have more talent on their offense right now and potential as a team. At you know at the moment, especially given looks, uh, injury, and really just the cluelessness that surrounds that whole situation. But you know, as far as who can fill in, I think I really like what the Bears are doing with you know getting organ uh, some organ staff in there, and you know just really and Matt Nagy, they're really just trying to mix it up and bring in something new instead of recycling old crusty coaches from the NFL that really have proven to just be so mediocre. So you know, I hope the Titans make a move similar to that, and if they do, you know, like we said, I think that they can have just a huge jump in production. But it's going to be really interesting to see who they hired, and I think a lot of that coaching is going to yeah, really depend the, on how kind
1: of the titans are there's a lot of recycling of coaches you know coach gets fired two or three years down the line people think oh yeah he's good again we'll take him back we'll try him out again over and over and over again rather than taking that new take that chance that the team might go and uh, win a super bowl rather than just you know finish at 500 in a season and a lot of teams prefer to finish at 500 i think you just have to swing for the fences sometimes take that opportunity if it doesn't work out it doesn't work out but you need to have a fresh outlook and try and get things done it'll be interesting to see what happens when the Colts head coaching job and this job obviously this job wasn't open until this week so obviously the process around uh, the Colts job was open a lot longer so it'll be interesting to see if that changes any uh, coaches minds as to where they want to end up after it's all said and done the next game up is the Jacksonville Jaguars the Pittsburgh Steelers, this game was another great game to watch uh, the, the Jaguars 45 pittsburgh 42 it looked like it was going to be pretty easy for the the jacksonville jaguars at the start of this game with that three touchdown lead they were at uh, 28 to 14 uh, down at the half uh, a late touchdown there to martavis bryant made it a little bit closer uh, Blake Bortles kind of rebounded in this. It wasn't a great performance but he did throw for 214 yards and a touchdown. Leonard Fournette at 109 yards uh, rushing three touchdowns even though he missed uh, quite a good part of the first half with an injury. TJ Yeldon looked very good in this one. Led the team with 57 receiving yards on three catches. Keenan Colcott, Cole caught one big pass that was very very key to the team's win. A 40-yard completion there. So I had a lot of D.D. Westbrook this week and uh, that didn't really work out for me in my lineups uh, wasn't as productive that's always a, a chance you take when you're involved in the Blake Bortles offense but you know you let's for one show we'll leave the Blake Bortles jokes aside as he is uh, going to be a co- quarterback and a championship game as a chance to make it to the playoffs so let's give uh, Blake his credit for one week here but I have to say looking at this game you know we went in, we thought is uh, Antonio Brown 100% healthy with 7 catches for 132 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Makes it seem like uh, he was pretty damn healthy but I don't think he was 100%. The explosiveness wasn't all there but he looked really really good. The other one was Le'Veon Bell then he had 150 yards on 25 touches in this one. Uh, Antonio Brown, or Ben Roethlisberger sorry, uh, 469 yards and 5 touchdowns. If if I'd done that in a game of Madden I'd be very impressed and then the other one was uh, with Vance McDonald Uh, he had uh, 60 targets 10 receptions and a career high 112 yards so a really interesting game the pit or the Steelers putting up ridiculous numbers across the board but not getting the job done in the end what was your thoughts coming out of this one this was another game I really enjoyed watching
0: yeah this was a, a crazy game and you know one that was actually kind of upsetting for me because um, offensive coordinator Todd Ailey and the Steelers just clearly didn't game plan to attack the Jaguars defense. So opposite of the Patriots, who, you know, really focus on attacking their opponents' weaknesses, the Steelers, you know, arrogantly said basically, we're gonna play our game and we think we're better than you, so you try and stop it. And the Jaguars, you know, did for the majority of the game. I mean, the touchdowns that the Steelers scored were, you know, circus catches from Antonio Brown, and then one to Martavis Bryant that I'm not even entirely sure it wasn't meant to be thrown to Brown. You know, they, they were both in the same area and Martavis just tracked the ball really well. So, you know, the players are super good. They have arguably one of the best rosters in the league, especially on offense. I mean, Brown and Bell are potentially the two best players at their respective positions. But, you know, the coaching staff, I think, really has let them down. And, like, one of the decisions not to do a QB sneak on fourth and one instead of doing a pitch play, I mean, I that did, was just... We didn't touch on it, but we are talking about
1: bad uh, fourth down conversion attempts. The, uh, the Titans and uh, the, the Patriots game where they took the timeout and then, you know, tried to run with Derrick Henry <laughs> and just pretty much ran exactly where the Patriots wanted. And that's the oh, Patriots yeah. are completely stacked that side of the line of scrimmage. So, terrible, terrible play call there. Just... Uh, kind of summed up the Titans' offense for the season for me. Um, I guess we'll head on a few fun topics now as we wrap things up here. Uh, News reports this week have, uh, you know, they're talking about San Francisco and that both sides are very confident in a long-term extension being done between the 49ers and Jimmy Garoppolo, who they acquired during the season. Any guesses on the uh, over/under on uh, you know the amount of dollars uh, he's going to get? We'll go on a yearly average, but do you have a guess at where you think it's going to come in? Obviously, he hasn't uh, played a lot of games in the NFL, but with the you know the current climate of quarterbacks, where do you see it uh, kind of ending up here?
0: Man, this is really tricky because you know I think he's earned a big contract, kind of the way he's played and the way he turned around the 49ers when he started playing and. What he's done with Shanahan's system in, you know, whatever, a few weeks compared to it took Matt Ryan over a year to learn. But, you know, I if I'm the 49ers, I personally offer him just about as much as it takes. You know, they're, they've been in like a quarterback crisis a little for a while now. And it seems like they've got their guy. They've got him there. He knows the system. He's shown that he can win. I mean, offer him whatever it takes. My guess of what it actually is to leave cap room is probably like, you know, 23 to 26 million. I don't think he gets paid the most. Just because I think he's not the type of guy to soak up as much cap room as possible, and you know, leave his team strapped at other places. But he definitely should be paid more than you know, like Joe Flacco. And <laughs> so you, you think he's like going to
1: get over the twenty million mark? So if we go over under on the twenty million, my guess was going to be around eighteen to nineteen a year. Uh, so uh, you take the over, I'll take the under, and we'll see where we end up. I think you'll probably be right, just the way, the way it uh, the way it climbs up. Each yeah, and every definitely. Year. But, I just think that they'll work it some way or else it'll be a contract where there is options for the team to get out. We've seen a couple of those been signed over the last couple of years where we might see, uh, you know, a situation where he has the ability to make a lot of money if he stays in the contract long term. But if he does underperform, they can kind of... get those de-escalators in there to try and save some money so we'll see what happens but no doubt about it they have to get him signed up long term 2018 fantasy ADP the first round I don't know how your uh, first round's looking but you know I think players that are definitely going to be in the mix will be uh, Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown, Todd Gurley, Zeke Elliott, uh, Odell Beckham Jr., Kamara um, I done a recap show for Rodoviz this last week with Kyle Dvorak and we talked about uh, the division, we talked about uh, the Cowboys, and we were looking at uh, Zeke Elliott. He played in 10 games this season and finished as the PPR running back 12 over the season. So, obviously, people are going to be very excited when he's, you know, we'll get that hype going around uh, training camp and getting uh, him high up the draft board and well at the top of that first round. But those guys, do you see them all kind of as, uh, I would imagine, top seven picks, top eight picks? You, I know you mentioned Kamara at the back of the round, but the rest of those guys, have you them all kind of up at the top of that first round?
0: Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it's, it's going to be something. That needs to be focused on a lot, you know, going into next year because it has, it's been a while. Usually there's like a top three and then, you know, another tier after that, but it seems like there's just a big group at the top right now that are all just very, very good players that are in good situations that really have potential to be a league winner and a top, the top overall player at their position. So, you know, this is going to be a lot of research that's got to come up in the offseason, but I mean right now, I'm not afraid to have Bell and Brown as my one and two, you know, I mean I'm, I still think the Steelers are still great team despite my uh angst with their play calling and whatnot but um you know Gurley the Rams are great I mean he's he's got to be three or four for me I love love Zeke and I think the Cowboys actually bounce back next year you know a little bit more I think this this year was a little bit of a fluke as far as that goes and you know you can't forget about Odell Beckham um with uh potentially Pat Shermer coming as a coach and that that's what seems to be happening. You know, he could really change the team around and then their quarterback situation. You know, there's so much that is yet to be resolved that doing a draft right now just seems crazy, but I think I might have to do one soon, just you know, for the yeah, fun it of it. Seems crazy, it's, but once it's too we much out fun.
1: and we start to look ahead. I think though, this season more people are excited about next season, based on you know, there was a couple of seasons there where the first round you had those maybe top three or top four, as you mentioned, and then it wasn't as exciting. But I think there's a lot of excitement around the players involved this year. There's a combination of young players, some more older veteran players that are still very, very good. So it's going to be interesting to see how it all shakes out and uh, how it all breaks down. It's going to be interesting as well when we start to really, you know, say these are our order of players. And that's the way we're taking them. It's going to be very, very hard. It's going to be a razor thin line to decide who uh, who goes in which order. Uh, the next thing up is obviously the, the this weekend's games. We're not going to go through them in too much detail, but uh, out of this weekend's games, uh, who, who do you see being the Super Bowl uh, matchup? Uh, I'm going to get you to make a little prediction as to who you think we're going to see in Minnesota in February. Yeah, I mean, I'm taking
0: the chalk here. I'm going with uh, Patriots-Vikings. I mean, both both just really have big advantages in a lot of places, and I think their coaching's better. There's just a lot of advantages for them, and I don't really see either of them losing. I mean, it's definitely possible, but, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm pretty I, confident. I think, in the though, I think I'm more confident the
1: Vikings getting there than the Patriots. I think it's going to be interesting to see how the Patriots work with this uh, defense. That is going to be such a good matchup to see the Patriots' offense and their game plan against what we see, um, you know, what we see the Jaguars do, and obviously the Jaguars will have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder after giving up 42 points against the Steelers, so looking forward to seeing how that matchup goes, but I think it's very hard to look uh, look past what, you know, if you if you have Tom Brady and you have Blake uh, on the other side, I think it's pretty clear that you're going to be taking Tom Brady and the Patriots and the game planning and everything that goes along with it, so I, I'm on board with you. Obviously you've done uh, some of the, the weather reports this year, uh, every Sunday it was up on the the Road World website, and I found them very useful on a, a couple of occasions What's uh, the weather looking like this week? Have you looked that far ahead?
0: <laughs> not not that far ahead yet. I mean, I because, I, I, you know, forecasts change pretty fluidly. So, you know, I make sure to do it like right up to the minute and then continuously update it, I mean, as much as possible. Just because, you know, it do, it is important, man. You know, I was really all over that, that Buffalo snowstorm pretty early uh, that happened with the Colts. And, I mean, that just entirely changed DFS, betting, all that. I mean, it made for just some very clear-cut, Uh, things of what to do. So, you know, I, the weather's definitely gonna be something to watch out for. And, the last few weeks have been just really interesting as far as wind, yeah, and cold, know, and how know, that really affects that, games.
1: Uh, you know, doing sports betting for a, a number of years, it was something that I started taking over from that, and then uh, moving it into uh, moving it into fantasy. And I think now it's pretty much you know a, a requisite of fantasy football that people are talking about the weather that week to you know the game plan. Uh, it's obviously as you mentioned the Buffalo game, snow you couldn't throw the ball at all in that game, but obviously the wind is a major factor as well. So I find those uh, reports very very good throughout the season. Just the last thing. we're getting here, uh, the DFS plays for this week. Is there any players that really stand out for you as good values heading into this weekend for anyone that wants to jump aboard that two-game slate?
0: Yeah, I mean, uh so I'm I'm going with some Patriots players here again. I mean it seems like I'm a, a fanboy for how much I've talked about him, but I, I really don't like the Patriots. I just really respect what they do as far as game planning and whatnot. But so the receiving yards and catches for I think Burkhead or um Lewis. It really just depends on who plays, but I think if Burkhead plays, he's the guy to target. Um because the Jaguars biggest weakness in defending uh the pass is actually to the running backs in one score games. So, you know, if the Patriots are keeping it close, the Jaguars have been one of the worst in the league at defending the running back, interestingly enough, whereas they've been one of the best or the best at defending the receiver and the second best at defending the, t- defending the tight end. A, so, be sure well, to look out for that. I think,
1: you know, we've seen this last week against the Titans. Everyone wants all the Patriots. When you're going up against the best defense in the NFL, sometimes uh, that might lower their ownership a little bit. So, uh, a very interesting one to check out. And, of course, if you're betting on it, you don't really care about the ownership, you just care about getting it right. Uh, on the weekend, so obviously, that there's an interesting one to look at. I think the Vikings are going to be interesting as well. Obviously, the weather I think will affect that game uh, this week. It's going to be very, very cold in Philadelphia, but I, I do like Thielen this week. I think he uh, should have a good matchup against, uh, you know, and especially when he's lined up in the slot. So, looking forward to that game too. Should be a fantastic weekend here as we find out who is going to play in Minnesota. And of course, if it is Minnesota who get there and play in a home, uh super bowl game the atmosphere in that stadium i think probably the best atmosphere at the moment in the league just because it's indoors and it's so loud uh, so that would be uh, very very interesting to see them play there and get home field advantage so we'll see we'll see what happens this weekend uh, anything else uh, connor as we wrap up here obviously you're on twitter at connor allen nfl is there anything that you want to plug that you've come on out uh over the off season even if it's not this week or uh, anything you want to get the, the listeners to check out
0: yeah so i got my actually my biggest article of the year coming up i do a super bowl write-up that usually ends up like thousands of words and this year it'll be over at sharpfootballstats.com and sharpfootballanalysis.com but it's something i've done the past few years and i'm uh three for three on my predictions since i've been doing write-ups i also do you know over unders uh, all that do some prop bets in there but i really just dive yeah, deep into that and always, i uh, hope you guys uh, check that out
1: bowl as well and you have that extra week to repair the beast that a little bit of extra hunger to find out what's going on you know when the pro bowl is on people want to find out more information so will be an excellent read and you mentioned sharp football analysis there too it's uh, you know phenomenal stuff that Warren Sharp does over there. Just uh, one of the one of the best sites out there in terms of uh, dealing with stats and analytics, and just love listening to him when he's talking about football. So uh, I just want to give a quick plug out as I finish up here. Uh, check out. Uh, the podcasts have been going on on vids over the last couple of weeks. We do have that season recap series that I mentioned there earlier. I uh, recorded mine last week. There's uh, two up there this week, so we're going through all eight divisions in that one. The other series that we've run in now up until the Super Bowl is the best ball series with different people from around the industry talking about uh, different strategies, baseball strategies, uh, and so on. So check those out. And uh, I mentioned on Twitter this week, and it's uh, an idea that I've been plodding around for a couple of weeks, and that is uh, doing a podcast, another podcast, based on uh, something non-fantasy related, but with fantasy football people. And that is uh, it's kind of the Fantasy Dads podcast, I think it's going to be called. I'm going to be coming to Dad, uh, as I mentioned, on a few podcasts here in April. So I'm going to be asking some people from around the fantasy community that have young children about different pieces of advice they're going to give me. So I think it's going to be a fun and interesting kind of little project as I go on a, a little short series. So that'll be coming out in a couple of weeks. I'll have more information uh, probably in the next two or three shows. It'll be starting after the Super Bowl when uh, we're all finished talking about football for a couple of weeks. So until I'm back with another show, I want to thank Connor obviously, for jumping aboard the podcast. Really good information there. Make sure you're following him on Twitter, at Connor NFL. You can follow me on Twitter as well, at Overtime Ireland. Keep spreading the word of the show. Check out all those affiliates that I mentioned at the start of the show and help support the podcast. And until I'm back with another show next week, of course, have a good one. Thank you for listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. Check out OvertimeIreland.com and continue to spread the word. This has been an Overtime Ireland production.